Welcome to Coast to Coast, the Glen Hughes podcast, run by fans for the fans. I'm David. And I'm Shireen. For over 10 years, we've had the CTC fanzine mailing list, and now we introduce a brand new way to interact on all things Glen Hughes. Our subscribers and listeners are all over the world, so let's make this a truly global coast to coast listening experience. You can download the podcast directly from ghpg.net. Or simply subscribe via Apple's iTunes on both Mac and Windows using the link provided at the website. So sit back and enjoy Coast to Coast, the Glenn Hughes podcast. Welcome to the very first Coast to Coast, the Glenn Hughes podcast. After running the CTC fanzine for many years, David and I thought it was about time we got into the 21st century. So you're listening to the first of many podcasts. We'll always have the very latest news plus exclusive interviews from time to time with Glenn, band members, and other personnel. Everyone is welcome and highly encouraged to submit comments, questions, gig, album reviews, sound bites, video, photo, or anything else that might be of interest to all subscribers. Also, consider calling the brand new CTC podcast hotline at... 404-419-6568 and leave us a voicemail with your submissions. Your message can be up to an hour in length so you get plenty of time so you can mess up without worrying. Although we're based in the USA, you could consider using Skype, especially if you are overseas, to save some money on the long distance call. To kick things off, we have two exclusive interviews. The first with Chad Smith of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and the second, a 60-plus minute news-packed interview with Glenn. Both talk about the new album, due out in June, Music for the Divine. Plus, Glenn gives us a ton of news on tour dates, Hughes Thrall, Jeff Beck, and much, much more. Well, without further ado, here is the Chad interview we conducted a couple of days ago. I heard you just finished up today, is that? Last night, 3 o'clock, I was mixing more nights in white panties. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how did that end up on this? Can you tell, you know, what would it be on stealth and also on the... Well, Glenn wanted it to come out for the lovely Europeans, I don't know, and, and stealth kind of, you know, pooped. Yeah. <laughs> And then it was a shitty movie, but it was a great song, and we were really proud of that performance and, and, and recording. And, and uh, he wanted it to, you know, you know, with the Australian thing, and he just wanted it to come out. Right, so it's more more accessible for everybody. Yeah, yeah, and for the, you know, it's Europeans and being a bigger, his, one of his biggest markets, he wanted them to get to, get to love. And it fits nicely in with the records, and it, we remixed it, you know, it's kind of, it definitely sounds better. and. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that's in there, but along with 10 brand spanking new fresh numbers, and uh, mastering tomorrow. Cool, so it'll be off to the wonderful Italy folks soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the, I was, I, the artwork is really classy and cool looking and it's got a good vibe. And they're going to end this beautiful, finished, very great sounding piece of music and art and, and uh, so it's just 
really who's you really want to get the people that are believing it, you know, and, yeah. and, and will help get the word out there. Yeah. You guys. Mm-hmm. There's a few of us. <laughs> a few. We want a few more. And yeah. Then, you yeah, know, I know. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll happen, you know. You just you got to make the music great first, you know. That you, what you, that's the most important thing. And then, uh, you know, take it from there. Hold on a second. Um, he, he told us that this is a very different record for him, and you're a fan as well as a musician, so how different is it? How, what, how different can people expect? I mean, is it going to be like um, the difference between feel and addiction, for example, his solo records, mm-hmm. or is um, it just a brand new sound? I mean, it still it sounds like Glenn to me, you know, I, I mean, um, I, I wouldn't compare it to other records, um, I think that uh, what we kind of talked about and set out to do, and I was fortunate to be kind of around at the beginning when he was just starting to write songs for it, um, and, and, and then I, I, I just said, you know, I put a bug in his ear, I said, you know what, just write songs that you love, that, that be, and because he could do so many different styles, you know, he can be, you know, the turbo voice guy, and he can be the really soulful, you know, soul singer guy, and he can be sexy guy, and he can be rock guy, and he, can, he has mm-hmm. he has all that, um, and he has that gift, you know, that a lot of people don't have, and that and that is certainly like of his era, of his genre of those, uh, you know, you know, rock singers from the seventies. Um, which he's, which he's, he's just a different guy now, you know. So, um, but but to go, but to, from that, he's, I think he's, he's the guy. He's the, he has the best. Uh, he's just the best of all those guys, you know. Like, I, you know, Robert Plant's great and everything, but voice wise, not quite what he was. I think if anything, Glenn is probably better. Than better. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Like years ago, you know, which is really. Um, yeah, I mean, he's matured as a, as a singer, as a writer, as a player. I mean, everything. And, he, and he, you know, he's not just um, sitting back on his laurels, you know, and right. trying to write another fucking burn or whatever. You know what I mean? So I, I just I just try to encourage him to explore all of his um, musical styles. And I know that he wrote a lot of the songs on acoustic guitar. He bought this new Martin guitar he was really excited about. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you can write a great, if you can write a, a song that stands up on just a guitar and a voice, um, you know, then, then without having to uh, sort of rely on orchestration and other things. And, I mean, a, a simple, powerful song on, on a guitar and a voice, and if that, that holds up, I mean, then you get a, I think you get a, you know, um, on about six of the songs, there's um, interesting string arrangements, and and um, that's different for him. And uh, you know, we we kind of fought, we didn't fight. We had uh, discussions <laughs> about um, healthy discussions about what was right to serve the song. You know, yeah. I think Glenn was got so excited about the strings that he all of a sudden he kind of wanted it to be. Um, you know, you can get you know about this new thing, and then he.
well, but but I was like, you know, it, 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 it has to be in context, and you know, as right. it was song. So we went back and forth a couple of times on it. And he was really open and cool about it, you know. He's like, mm-hmm. man, I really love it. I wrote the part. But I guess you're right, you know. Maybe yeah, it takes some kind of. We didn't want to make it white, and, and and we don't want guys just in tutus at the front of the stage, you know. And um, so you know, if ever there was a part that kind of I felt was a little weird, I'd do this little dance. Can you get? Are you serious? Holy fuck, just showed up at the house? <laughs> Did I know him? Did I play in the van with him? Okay. You got fans there, Chad? Uh, yeah, I got stalkers. <laughs> They're showing up. Jesus. Um, wow, how weird. No. Um, okay. Uh, fuck. <laughs> you have to go? Yeah. Okay. See a Glen gig somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably before he met me at Glen. Well, I think I'm gonna play with him in Italy. We're talking about at the end of uh, July. Okay. Okay. But um, I think it's Italy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got like a, a ten days off, and I'm over there already. So I said, Ah, fucking come over and play. Oh. Um, but you know, we'll be doing shit. And um, uh, yeah, I just got these. I got. I got to take care of these. Chad fun and boy is he super busy. We had hoped to talk with him for a half hour or more, but as you heard, he had some unexpected guests knock at the door. Hopefully we'll catch up with him later in the year. Okay, we know you've been waiting for this one, so sit back and enjoy this extended conversation David had with Glenn just the other day. Well, it's nice to hear from you, Glenn. Thank you, Dave. I'm really sitting on my lap, and she's licking me. I just walked in, and uh, it's a beautiful day in L.A., in the South Bay, where I live. Yeah. How are you, mate? I'm doing good. And more importantly, David, how are all of my lovely friends and fans out there in this universe of love? <laughs> I love them so much. Well, they're just 
chomping at the bit waiting for, to hear this new music. Uh, you know, I want to say, you know, over these last few months and this last year or so, um, since I basically people have, you know, been you know, hearing a lot of what's going on and, and, you know, I've been making this record and a lot of great changes in my life have happened and occurred that, that along spiritual lines I've talked before and it's just a great, great moment in my life, you know, it's such a beautiful time. That's fantastic, and it's great that everything's come together the way it has at this time as well. Mm -hmm. And um, we were lucky enough to talk to Chad the other day, and he said that you finished up the mixing, and it's pretty much off to be pressed. I just got off the phone with him, and he said to say hi to everybody. He's in London right now. Okay, cool. And, um, you know, like I say, it's very difficult for me each year or each every two years to come and say, you know, this next record is the one that's coming out is, is really great and it's the best thing I've ever done. But I think what, what I want everyone to know in, in Glenland is, is, is that I really believe in my heart, uh, for some bizarre or beautiful reason that I've only really truly been really taking this really serious for the last couple of years. Yeah. I think when I got sober in 91, um, having the, the, the bondage taken, I mean that whole thing about the old, the whole, the old behavior gone from my life, I started to write furiously and I started to do everything in a workaholic state and now I've been taking my, the records I've been making, the last couple of records, Song Mover and this record, I've been taking more more serious if you will um, and, and I think it really shows. With Song Mover I think people knew it was a step forward yeah. and Music for the Divine is, is a giant leap forward for me as a human being and as a writer and a singer. Wow, so, so you've had the time then to really fine-tune things? You know, I think, last to my own devices, I think, you know, being a producer and writer and singer and everything, arranger on my, on my previous work, um, I, I had, you know, to run the shop, as it were, on my own. Um, and now I've got Carl Swan in my life, who is my manager for the last year. You know, I have somebody that really, really, really uh, is sensitive to Tickland Hughes and really pushes me and nurtures me in a way, as, as so is Chad Smith and my wife Gabby. And I surround myself, um, I'm very fortunate to surround myself with love and, and people that are nurturing, and that's so important for any human being. And, and you know, um, it, it, you know, every dog has its day, every, you know, every boy deserves favor, all these things we hear about, these slogans. and. A, a, a member of what one of the bands I used to be in, and I, who remained nameless, who I do really care for, was, was overheard saying about ten years ago, it's such a shame that our Glenn, or Glenn, left it so late in the day to come back, or, you know, and it's such a shame that he left it so late. Well, it really isn't, because I really do believe in, in, in longevity, and I really do believe that this wouldn't have happened to me 20 years ago. I would not have been making the music I would have make, I'm making now due to the fact of my old behavior and the lifestyle I, choo I didn't choose but I was in 20 years ago. So this record for me comes at a time where uh, I'm more comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. So that really kind of ties into the album title, I would imagine. Um... Yes, you know, and when I, when I told Chad the title, uh, you know, and, and, and a few of my friends, they weren't sure about it at first until they heard the, the lyrical content and the depth of, 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 the, of the melodies that I was singing. And, and this record, more than any other one, it tells people who I am. Um, it, it isn't, I'm not beating people over the head with my... It's not a religious statement. It's, it's, it's really a statement of goodness and, 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 um, and the love that I've been surrounded with. And it, it comes out on this record as addiction was dark and heavy dealing with the nature of the beast in, in, in the 80s. I mean, 
you know, I'm not beating people over the head with any religious things, or you know, Catholic or Judaism or Buddhism or anything like that. I'm basically letting people know uh, that it's okay now to, to to actually, you know, breathe. And and this is a celebration of uh, of the musical content that I've written. Well, give us um, an idea. I, I know we don't like to compare other albums with each other because they're all so different, but. What, what what can the listener expect? Well, for the first time since Play Me Out, you, you're going to hear you know orchestration with with a, a string five or six piece string section, which was evident on Play Me Out. And you might hear a few horns here and there, but we're only complimented like French horns or something that's going to complement uh, things. Uh, you're also going to hear uh, acoustic guitar played by myself, and and uh, I'm playing a lot of guitar on the record, more funk guitar like on Play Me Out. And, and people that are, you know, love playing me out, and the cohesiveness of that record will notice on this record. It doesn't sound like playing me out, but they'll notice the, the, the funk guitar things from that record or on this one. So, you know, there's a lot of funk. There's a, such a great mixture of, of the elements of Glenn, which we all know is funk, rock, and soul. Yeah. That is more evident on this record than ever before, with a new element, which is the acoustic Glen, which, you know, Chad was really, you know, when I played him some stuff on the, I wrote most of the songs on this 1956 acoustic guitar that I got last summer. Yeah. Uh, it's evident that there's a lot of acoustic stuff on the record, but, you know, it's actually kind of heavy for acoustic as well. Yeah. So... The difference on this record is more acoustic, more sensitivity in, 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 in the vocal department, I think, than ever before. The lyrical, I think, the best, I think these are the best lyrics I've ever wrote. So, um, it's difficult for me to talk about my music because you have to really hear it. Right. But generally, you know, I finished the album, we finished it sort of in Feb, and now it's what, you know, we're almost into May here, and and we just finished mastering on, on Sunday night, and this has, this has got such great legs, this record. It's a record that, that, that it, it is my most passionate album. Um, Play Me Out was a great, great record, but it was done uh, in, in, I was really high as a kite when I did that record, but it's very passionate. And there are other, other records I've done, Feel, we all talk about Feel as being the funky Glenn, but these are all, these are all addiction. These are all moments in my life that that I never. I, like I said in, in some interviews, I will never go backwards. You know, I will always stay in today or or go forward. I, I cannot and will not make records like like Son of Soul Mover or Son of From Now On. Right. They're all statements of my what I was in ninety four, ninety six, ninety eight, whatever, and. You know, Music for the Divine is a record that, that I really, really... It's almost like it's my first record. I've never said that before about any other record. To me, this feels to me like a brand new breath of fresh air. That, that It's fearless. It's fearless in the content of, you know... And this is no disrespect to, to members of Deep Purple or any present or past or, you know, future. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that it's been a blessing and a curse to be ex-member of Deep Purple. The, you know, this and that. This record is the first record that it, there's no tip of the hat to Deep Purple. You won't know that, that I was, uh, uh, there's no Deep Purple references in guitar, vocal or anything. Not to say it was a bad thing or a good thing. But I now really have to, and I really, you know, respect Robert Plant. Uh, 
for doing what he's done over the years with, with Zeppelin, although now he's playing Zeppelin songs again. You know, I think he was adamant about getting away from that. And, and I think um, I have a whole brand new audience, as well as the diehards that are listening to this, God bless you. There's a lot of new audience members and a lot of young people that, are, that don't really know too much about Mark III and Mark IV. That's true. That's very true. It's really, and I'm telling you, in, there's a marketplace opening up for me in, in, in South America. There is, my audience down there is uh, young teenagers, the Bulgarian audience, the Greek audience, you know, the Turkish audience, you know, the Russian audience. They're very young fans of Blink Hughes. And we welcome them to GHPG, uh, and we welcome all new, new friends and fans. It's difficult to call my, my fans fans because they're like, they like my music, and we're like one family, you know. The fan expression is kind of dated, but I like to call them, you know, friends. And and, and um, it's a great day for me, you know. It, it's a great day. I'm above the ground, I'm on the right side of the grass, <laughs> and I'm breathing on my own. It feels really good. So it's definitely uh, Glenn at his purest, then. <sighs> you know, and I keep talking about Chad, but, you know, we have become the very best friends, and, and you know, I'm so happy to be in his life and I feel he feels the same about me. He's been so busy with the Peppers record coming out this week and, you know, he's been in the studio with me right until 3 o'clock in the morning on Sunday when he had to leave for, for London. Uh, he's maniacally into the record. He's, it, we're, we're joining the Hippers friends. Uh, we will be seeing Chad throughout the summer on some, some speculative gigs that are coming up. But, you know, he... He really wants the best for me as a human being, and he wants the best for us all on, Glenn, on, Glenn, on Glenn's albums, you know. And, and so, you know, when I played him songs like The Divine and Frail and, you know, and, and, and uh, This Is How I Feel, which are all acoustic songs, really stripped down, very bare acoustic stuff that I might have written when I was 18 in Trapeze, the very first Trapeze. He said, we have got to, as, as, as as, as lovers of Glenn's music, we have got to hear everything about Glenn. We've got to hear it now because there's so much that you don't know about me as a musician that on this record is, is really me. Yeah. So, and I've, I've never really said this before as well, but I, you know, and I'm going to say it for once and for real, is that I, I never wanted to follow the trend of what, of what people are doing, like friends of mine in the industry, like, you know, Chris Cornell or Paul Rogers or whatever, whatever those guys are doing or singing. I don't want to be that because they are great at what they do and I want to be the best Glenn Hughes I can be. And I think this record signifies the door opener for that. You know, and the next one, the next album I do will be another thing I do. But, you know, the, the thing I've, I've mentioned in, in interviews in the last couple of months about, I really do admire my earliest, you know, references to the Beatles, their records from Sgt. Pepper to Maxwell Mystery Tour to the White Album to Abbey Road, they're all different in context and flavor. And that is what Glenn Hughes' music is about. More evident than ever is music for the divine. You know, it's just got it. It's just, it's almost like I've got that ingredient now that, that I've been searching for for so long. And it's wonderful to know I've got that. And you know, be at my age, I mean, a lot of artists my age, God bless them, are actually winding down their career or, or putting their feet up. I'm actually not doing that. I'm doing quite the opposite. That, that was, I was about to say, I mean, it, it's get, just getting better. Uh, it's getting better, but I'm also having to really, you know, and I've said this before in the press in the 
I'm going to be very careful what I do and who I work with because there's so much work coming my way. If I wanted to do it, I get offered a lot of work. And, uh, people don't even know half the stuff I get offered. And, you know, in hindsight, I maybe I shouldn't have done a bunch of things in my past, you know, and I, I, I probably will... will, will, will um, You'll probably see me write more songs for artists or produce other artists now, uh, rather than lend my voice too much on, on other things. Um, and I might shoot myself in the foot because you never know, in the next two years I might be on ten other things. But, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it really has come to the point now where I'm such an avid fan of the songwriting process. The song to me is the, the highlight of my whole life. With my sobriety, my song, and my, my love for my family, these things are the most nurturing gift to me. Yeah. And I used to be, you know, on the take, and, um, and now I'm on the give. It just feels like, you know, it's good to give rather than to take. And this is something that I've learned from being sober these, these many years. Well, it certainly sounds like, uh, from what you described of <coughs> the songs briefly, um, that it will translate to the stage very well. Well, once again, uh, you know, and, and, and thank God for all the stuff that, that, that maybe three or four years ago said, why can't we hear new Glenn songs? Well, you know, I, I probably wasn't thinking clearly when I wrote great songs, maybe on, on, on The Crystal Karma or The Way It Is or stuff that people like, that it, they really were difficult to transpose to the stage. And when I wrote Soul Mover and Music for the Divine, I wrote them pretty much stripped down up in my studio. Um, most of it was done... Prior to JJ arriving at, at, in, in LA, and I wrote a lot of it uh, acoustically on, 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 on my, you know, Les Paul, where I could actually sing and play it, and it was easier for me to actually go, well, you know, something I can do this live, you know. And with Soul Mover, it would have been pretty much easy to do most songs live. We did about five or six, didn't we? That's true. And this next record, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot more of acoustic vibe on this record, and it, it probably would be easy to say for me that that I would love to do in the next Glenn Hughes tour. This, this coming summer is to is to strip down the stage and do a couple of things acoustic with just myself and JJ on acoustic guitars. I think at, at the end of the day, as the British say, I think you know if you're a Glenn fan, I think it's it's probably about the voice and it's about the song. So yeah. probably it would be really good to maybe just do acoustic with the voice so people can hear every nuance of what I'm redoing. So this might be the tour that we see. Uh the purple and maybe some tree trapeze retired. Well, yeah, you know, it, it, I have such a great depth of material now to choose from. I mean, you know, if I go to new markets, like if I go, for instance, I'm possibly going to play a lot of areas in Russia this year, it, it, like in the really eastern part of Russia, you know, really difficult to get to, but a lot of those people are rabid Mark Three, Mark Four fans. They might get a you know, a few purple songs, but... Right. So depending on where you're playing, really. If I'm playing on a Glenn Hughes tour of Europe this year, which I will, which which we're booking now for, like, hopefully in August through through October, um, the primarily will be a Music for the Divine tour. You know, it's going to be... Like, as, as people noticed on the last tour we did in, with Soul Mover, there was, it was all solo material there, maybe mistreated and burned. So, um, you know... Um, I'm only really interested in, in playing new songs. Yeah. I think, and David, David will probably cover that, would probably say that me playing Burn over the last 10 years, I've pretty much, you know, had that as one of my songs, you know, although David's doing it in, in Whitesnake. I think, you know, Burn is a song that possibly 
you know, yeah. I, you know it, for me, it's 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 so it's so old now, but it's a classic song. But oh, sure. song mover, the song song mover is is as important to me than burn. Definitely. Oh, and the songs like Storm Ringer now will probably disappear, but um, it's all about the new album for me. It's it's. You know, uh, working with Tony was great last year, and, and other artists I play with, and, and there'll be more artists I work with in the next few years, and like I say, more more in the produ producing and writing for. So, um, just back to um, music for the divine. Um, I noticed that Nights in White Satin got an inclusion. Is that a remix of some sort? It's a remix. It's it's a, it's a definite remix. Ryan Hewitt. Who, who mixed the Chili Pepper Stadium Arcadium double record? Um, he mixed the original uh, nights with, with, you know, uh, with, with John and, and Chad and myself uh, 18 months ago. And, you know, um, he is on such a roll now because he's been mixing the Peppers album for five months, the longest ever, I think, in, in the history of rock. Um, he's on such a roll. By the end of, of my record, um, Chad asked him if he would mind. Doing a remix on nights. It's a better mix for all those sonic freaks out there that want to hear, you know, more sonically. A, 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 and music for the divine is the best sonically recorded album that I've ever done. Thankfully, um, due to the fact that we had the finest equipment, and I want to thank Flea and John Frusciante for bringing some of their gear in, and Jim Scott, the older engineer from the, the Peppers. That everybody's gone above and beyond on this record. Wow, yeah, nice, nice. You know, nice slips in. Um, I wanted a bonus track for Europe. Obviously, I, I, I told everybody I recorded 15 songs, and and those songs are recorded. And you know, but I wanted to release the songs that on this. The, the 11 songs on this record are, in the grand scheme of things, they fit perfectly on these 11 tracks. And I think the running order is appropriate. You know, and records for me. Um, it's it's easy to say that you know, it, like maybe three years ago, having 14 songs in a record was the norm. I think it's, it's albums are getting shorter, and I, I wanted this album to be a perfect length, you know. Right. And um, no offense, but I think it's, I think I did the right thing. But the good thing is, there's there's a few more songs in the can, which are fab. Um, so that was recorded 50 songs for their 20 28 song album, but you know it's not like they're throwing them away. You get to hear these songs, everybody. So I wouldn't worry about it. Okay, well that's good to hear. So you you mentioned briefly some of the personnel involved. Uh, I wondered if you could give us a rundown. Obviously, there's JJ and Chad and John. JJ is uh, it's been for ten years now. He's been like as everybody knows, he's my he's like a my brother. He's, he's he lives in my house. He's like part of my family. And JJ is um, I've I've always said that I've always been saying for many many years now how good he is a guitar player and he's a good writing partner with me as well and we've we've been working really hard and and you know um when we get together the magic happens and you know he's you know role in this album is, is significant as always and he's the main guitar player and um one of the best things jj came up with the very was the introduction very simple guitar part to valiant denial which is the only track and it's such it signifies the record, it's a great, you know, like Sun was a great opener. I think yeah. Valiant Denial is is a significantly majestic, big rock opus with a great string section finale, which is very, very dramatic. 
I didn't want Son of Soul Mover to open the, this record. I wanted it to be entirely different. Yeah, okay. So I think, you know, the, the, his guitar signature, which starts the album, will herald what the album is all about. And it really is, I think it's a fabulous beginner. So there's a couple of six-minute, seven-minute songs in there? So, Valiant Denial is six and a half. I'm looking at it right now. It's six and a half minutes. And, cool. So. You know, it's... it's um, you know, when I wrote that song, I, I pretty much knew it was going to be the opening track, and it was one of the first songs that I came up with. Um, it was all built around a simple guitar signature that JJ came up with, only about four notes. But, and of course, I wrote around it. It's so, it's, mm, it's great. It's, it's got a vibe to it. It's got a piano uh, bomb, it's got like these piano bombs, and it's got the, uh, it's almost kind of orchestrated in a way that it was a very sort of late sixties vibe to it, but it's 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 a great opener. Look forward to hearing it. Be able to compare notes when uh, when I get to hear it. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the song deals with, with 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 about coming clean and being you know who you are and basically facing the fact that you know we're here now and and, and it's just basically. Uh, Coming, coming forward and being honest, and and, and it's it, for me, it's the opening tracks to all my records. I don't really take some time writing it and getting them right. And this one sort of started to write itself after the first verse. I, I once again, I wrote this again on acoustic guitar. Don't want to freak or shy anybody away. That when when I write on acoustic, it transposes to electric. And I think the most beautiful songs or the most memorable songs for many artists. Uh, from the Beatles to uh, to Prince to anybody or to you know Sting especially or all wrote an acoustic guitar. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and I, I am going through a bit of a a Beatle acoustic guitar thing right now. And who hasn't done that? <laughs> oh, you know. Um, remember, I'm British as well, so it's important to my roots were Beatles until I started listening heavy to Stevie Wonder and Wilson Pickett, Notice Redding, and all those other great American. Singers from the 60s, and, and I can't shy away from who I really am. Right. Uh, I'm not hiding anymore, and I may have been hiding in the mid 90s. I may have been frightened to let you know who I was. Maybe I didn't even know myself. Yeah. After, you know, a couple of years, three years of sobriety, I didn't really know. I was too frightened to go this way, too frightened to go that way, because I've got one marketplace with record exec executives screaming for. We want Son of Burn, and I've got the, the other people going, we want you to be Michael Bolton, and I've got other people going, we want you to be Trapeze. It's like, and then, you know, it's difficult. And I was not, I didn't have the balls to go, I want to be me. And, um... Well, you hadn't gotten to this point, so... And that comes from from the spiritual context of my life. It, it really is, and I once again, I must stress to everybody out there, it's not a religious thing I talk about. It's about, you know, my owning up to the fact that, you know, I've come from a place of, you know, of, of extreme horror in my life in, in, the, in the late 80s where I, you know, I, it, was, it was like a, I had to really sort that out. We all know about that. And I think, you know, I have this long-term longevity of, of uh, one day at a time living that I do. Um, and I'm very blessed because he, right now you're talking to a guy on the phone that should be dead. And the, a matter of the fact that, that I've, I've chosen uh, the right path this time to stay on. Hopefully I'll stay on this forever. Well, we hope so too, that's for sure. Coming back full circle to the, um, the personnel question. Oh, well, yeah, you know, like I said, JJ's here. You know, Chad is my co-producer, and 
Shadow Rangers a lot of songs with me too. Uh, whilst JG wasn't in the country last year, I, me, me and the girls um, and Chad, we get together every weekend for dinner, but I, I, I normally see Chad three, four times a week, but every Sunday of last summer through the fall, for us going on that Spanish run, I went to Chad's home with Gab and the girls would, you know, do something and, we, and I'd play him the songs I wrote that week and I wrote for Music for the Divine around 28, 29 songs. <laughs> I played him everything, you know, and anything. Anything that he said, I don't care what form it's in, what if it's just like four chords, I want to hear it. And I'd just go up there and, you know, I thought, I mean, Chad and I are very comfortable with each other so I played him uh, for instance, a song like Frail, which people will hear and go, oh, that's really different for Glenn. <clears throat> he probably would not have made the album if Chad not had been producing it because he said, you've got to let people hear the song. It's a song about an old lady who's about to, to pass away and about, you know, she's going to meet her loved ones in heaven. And it's kind of sad and mournful when I tell you that. But when you hear it, you know, when people get the CD, they're going to probably hear a song. It's just, it's just an account of of life on life's terms and it's not really a mournful song in that, that respect it's about uh, it's about life yeah. and death is, is life and, and I think you know we almost live our life one day at a time and that song and this is how I feel a song that I wrote not specifically for John to, to play on but when John heard it he I, it was obviously a song that John Frusciante would, would would shine on and he certainly does but his solo on this is how I feel it's going to be one of the all time great solos ever it's just awesome and he is a musical genius John played on of course Nights and This Is How I Feel and another song called the La 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 song which John and I and Chad wrote which will be coming out some other time okay oh jeez a great title <laughs> La 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 song yeah it's, yeah. it's great it's, now, it's fun it's, it's kind of chili peppers in a way with me singing on it so it's um, it's got all the elements of that excellent so, um, uh, another person that I, I read recently who joined you was Mark Killian? Mark Killian, when Gab was producing um, music for TV and commercials, um, my wife was a producer for, for 10 years. Now she's an accountant. Can you believe that? <laughs> um, thank God for that. While, while she was doing, doing a produ production um, thing about four years ago, she worked with a guy called Mark Killian, who is a... A writer and he is an arranger and he would a lot of the things people have heard in the states on the air like a lot of commercials that he he wrote those um and he's a great he's south african he's, he's the film he was just wrote the music for tootsie just won uh, the best foreign film with the academy award so mark's phone is ringing off the hook mark like i said when i started to write frail and i wrote um valid denial and the divine uh, i realized that i was writing for strings and i also there's a lot of bands out there i don't know what name they are they, they they write records and they throw strings on at the end because it's kind of like well we'll throw some strings on here this album was written with strings in mind you know and i did come up with a few melodies that i, I told mark and i you know we, we agreed on but mark killian wrote the bulk of, of the strings and arrange them. Okay. It's a string section, five or six pieces. Sometimes a string quartet in frail, it breaks down to sort of like a, a little Rigby type of thing where it's just myself and the, and the strings, which are quite, quite amazing. I love those strings. Okay. But like I say, it, it might come in, 
I wanted somebody I could trust, somebody I loved, uh, that would come in and write a professional string arrangement with my voice in mind. Okay. So there's about five songs on, on, on Music for the Divine with a string section that hasn't been heard uh, on a Glenn thing since Play Me Out. So I think a, an orchestration, a real orchestration with my voice is kind of a win-win situation. Um, I always loved the idea of my, and I've said this in the last couple of years, I think people will know that I said I always wanted to sing with an orchestra, and uh, you know, and it's expensive. <laughs> So, you know, six guys <laughs> was enough. And I think you, you don't need more than six string players anyway. So it's, 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 it, I'm obviously over the moon about it. Oh, well. It sounds like it's going to be a full hearing, meaning uh, <clears throat> really need a lot of speakers when you listen to this album. <laughs> and also, going into this record, and, you know, it's not that the Peppers don't have keys, and it's not that Chad, you know, suggested subliminally to me that we don't need a keyboard player. But I did not write this album with keyboards in mind. I w also wanted to break away from the fact that, that you know, I don't think it's necessary, because of my past being in, in a big band like Purple, having a keyboard player like a Hammond organ or what have you, it's something, you know, that, that you know, I don't need. Keyboards, to me, are used as effects, and they, they are accompaniments to, to my voice. Um, this album is more acoustic guitar driven and more funk. There's more wah-wah synth based funk psychedelia on this record than maybe any other one. So a keyboard wasn't fitting it. Chad played some piano bombs on this one, which is like the octaves on the, on the piano. He loves to do that. He's like a little kid. Mark did play a, a Wurlitzer piano, an authentic one in the divine. And that is about it on keys. Okay. So it's very, very light on keys. It's like 5% on keys. And once again, anybody listening to this out there, don't freak because you won't really miss it. Um, I think this record is really more about the song, what is appropriate as a production value on the song, and how it sounds with my voice. And sometimes, and this is really important, less is most definitely more. You know, I think and the, the, the vocal effects on the record are very minimal. So... You know, it's, it's pretty much as I'm sitting on your lap singing to you personally. <laughs> I wanted to get that feeling on this record, that I was actually sitting in your home singing to you, as Grace calls it, the, the living room tour. Yeah, there you go. You know, and this is a very personal album for me, so I believe that the core audience of mine, the, the hardcore group around the world that buy my records and, and listen to my concerts and go to see me and I meet on the road, are devoutly into the message I sing and the passion at the event. And I had to somehow come up with that in the studio one more time. And each, each time I make a record, I have to, you know, give it over to God every time I sing. You know, because, you know, I don't go through the motions when I sing. I really genuinely get torn up when I sing. I, it really sort of affects me. And it's sort of, I go through a wide screen of emotions. Um, there's a very, very much avid when people see me sing live. That goes on in the studio. And more importantly, again, on this record, as most of my albums, most of these vocals are done first take or second take, as, you know, right after, you know, I, I lay down the instruments, and then we take a, a little break, and I get straight into the singing. Well, I read somewhere that there's a video um, either done or going to be done. Well, you know, once again, you know, we, we, 
we wanted to document this um, album. Um, we had, uh, you know, um, high def uh, camera running. You know, it, it looks pretty good. Um, we the last song we would we'd, we'd done completely recording the record, and I was about to, to do an overdub on the Divine, the song, the last song on the album, acoustic guitar, and I was warming up in the sunroom where I, I played guitar and on the album with JJ on acoustics. And I was warming up and I started playing this this rhythm and this this verse thing that I came up with and Chad said, what's that? I said, I don't know. He says, I suggest that you finish that now. He said, because the end of the album, normally bands from anywhere from U2 or anybody else, you know, from even Purple and Zeppelin and stuff, they always come up with this last thing that is always turns out to be really strong. So JJ and I, myself and Chad, 15 minutes later, we had completed musically this track and Chad says, uh, what about writing a lyric about the house, about, you know, the house we made the record in, which is Chad's house in the hills, you know, Hollywood. So we recorded the music for this house. It's only acoustic guitar, bass, and organic drums. And in about 15 minutes, we recorded it. Um, later that evening after dinner, we sat in the control room, and me and Chad got the lyrics together in about half an hour and I went and sang it. So in about an hour and a half, two hours, we have a song that is going to be a very, very strong song. It's track number four and it's such a, we had a great feeling we just had somebody come in, John Cohan, a friend of Chad's from childhood. He was in from New York and and uh, he filmed, a, you know, one camera angle, this one camera shot of me, Chad and, and, and JJ, you know, doing the track okay. so there's going to be behind the scenes footage you know some stuff of John and maybe some you know some stuff from behind the scenes that might see the light of day but I think we might have a decent video um, of the song This House okay and that's planned to be on the disc when it comes no I, I honestly don't know it won't be in Europe uh, it probably won't be in Japan but it might be in America I can't really say okay um, all I know is, is we have footage of it. What I don't want to do this year is I don't want to say, especially to the people listening right now, I, that there's something coming that isn't. You know, I, I will never steer people in that road because until I know something is going to happen, I won't say it. Um, all I know right now, I'm looking at a CD in front of me with a master copy with Glenn Hughes' name on it with 11 tracks completed. Um, the album went out to the Japanese today and it went out to the Italians today and American Deal is being shopped as we speak in South America and Australia will probably be with EMI once again so this is a beautiful time okay so we'll find out when we have it in front of us okay well thanks for sharing the information on the new album we've been looking forward to it for a long time and it finally seems to be coming our way in June so yeah you know it's like I say, this is a message to everyone listening, it, that you have made a difference in my life. You know, these last 10, 15 years, you know, has been amazing. The growth in myself and, and the love that I've been given and to give back is, is really important for me. You know, it's, I do this for fun and for free. I, I love the life I've been given. I don't take it for granted. I've got great fans across the world. Every single place I go to, whether, you know, everywhere I go, they're amazing. Um, uh, the GHPG fans are so special to me. I go on there every day and read it. 
And, um, you know, the best is yet to come in your life as well. I think everybody's life is special. And um, I, I want to sh- thank you for sharing your life with me. Well, you're very welcome from our end. Very nice. Very, very nice, I say. <laughs> okay, shall we switch topics? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with another big piece of news that came our way the other month was uh, Hugh's Thrall. Right. Um, we heard, heard about the remaster that's going to be coming in the next month or right. two, I guess. You know, Dave, I decided um, with Pat, you know, we are making Hugh's Thrall 2 at the moment. We're, we're about 14 songs deep. Um, we, we want to write two more. Um, I really need, I, I would not let Hugh's Thrall 1 come out without a bonus track, and maybe two. Um, so, it would be silly to release that album without bonus tracks, or a bonus track at least. So we are now, you know, I recorded a couple of songs uh, with Pat that one being paid a price, which I can't find the original master from, because it was like, the guy that um, had got the original master of Hugh with a bunch of other Sony tapes actually erased them about 10 years ago. So we don't have the original masters of Hugh Thrall. That's what like you know we'd like to remix it so pay the price has been recorded and remember that song try and take my love we've done that one again <laughs> and it's really turned out really well but i don't think those two songs would would fit on the new Hughes Thrall, the one that's coming in 2007 so i think those two songs i might shoot myself in the foot but i'm really pushing that pat and i can, can pat's actually you know finishing up those two songs maybe to get them that record will come out right before Music for the Divine, right after it. Okay. And then Hughes Roll 2, it's, it's in process. It's in, it's in process. I go to Vegas every six weeks. Um, I'm going back May 16. Um, I'm going to complete two more tracks. We'll have, the, we'll have the meat and potatoes of the record. I will have sung 16 songs, 14 of which, or, once again, there might, there might only be 12 on the record, but we, I like to have a few songs in the can for other, other reasons. But right. the album, it, there's one thing I may have said to you, David, that, and it's my fault, I may have said the album was metal. It really isn't metal in, in, the, in the way, like, Muslim Blood really wasn't metal, but it's kind of heavy. Yeah. The content of the heaviness is, is in the drama and the, and, and the, the infinite. <laughs> There's a really strong thread of, of, the vibe on this record is just everywhere. There's acoustic, there's funk, there's jazz, there's full-on New York hardcore heaviness. Yeah, yeah. And there's this late night, sleepy, New Orleans, funky, jazzy stuff that, I, you know, I haven't done before. Or maybe I'll, I'll, I'll sort of I'm playing me out this kind of that kind of vibe. But now, was that Pat's influence? No, I I, I, I say no like that. I, I think the first five songs I wrote with him in New York. I think the heaviness on a song called "Crucify Yourself," which people will hear, is really Pat. I think it's an it's an opus. It's like seven minutes. It's, it's a it's a really strong Pat Thrall rock track um that's the song he actually completed that before i actually heard it on that music it's the only one he'd done like that the rest of it was written maniacally by myself and him in his studio in new york right before 9-11 soul life which i played over the phone to you is is full-on glenn r&b soul it's 
Blue Light Soul, uh, probably my best Blue Light Soul track. Yeah. Could have been on Play Me Out. Yeah. It's just super, super, super sensitive, soulful. You know, and there's this uh, this uh, this OI song, which uh, another song I play to you, and King of Cool. They're all super funky. <laughs> I mean, this is this is serious white boy funk that I nobody can play this. It's just not. It's uncanny. It's not real, and it's just. It's, it's just, I can't begin to tell you how good it is. It's really as eccentrically eccentric as the first album was. It, it was like deep in textures. This album is 25 years later. Yeah. It's just that kind of record. You know, and once again, we're not trying to chase the success of the first one or, or, or the great reviews we got. We just want to make music for ourselves. I, I don't really make music anymore for for other people as far as reviewers or record companies because they don't pay me enough and the record industry in general is non-existent for heritage artists like Pat and myself even for the Rolling Stones and Robert Plant and all these are the great heritage artists just different you know so I gotta make records from this point that I'm actually gonna have to go to bed at night and go well that's good you know so Pat and I are you know, we really press each other. He's a great producer, and I, you know, one of the things I've been doing of late is producing us. I really love the production things I've been coming up with. We're a great team. We haven't lost any of the vibe we had from 1982. Um, we're both extremely, how do I say this? We're very passionate in our musical content, but we're, we're different as people. We're very loving people, but Pat is very methodical, and he's sort of like, you know, probably it will take two days just to do symbols on one song <laughs> where is Glenn Hughes is now been known for instance I sang Voodoo Hill the second one in five hours yeah. so it's like I, I, I really eat up the studio I just I'm a maniac in there I'm pretty the only guy faster than me I think is John Prashanti he's ridiculous but Pat is methodically slow beautifully slow and in, in, in the way that I wish I could be, but I am, I'm a pig, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so not too many cat fights then? <laughs> oh, Pat and I always get into the back, we call it the back and forth. No, like no other artist, with Tony Iommi, it's a walk in the park, Tony and I get along really strong, Pat and I get along great, but there's a definitely tension when Pat and I write. There's a lot of giving and loving and listening, but there's also... Um, we really, really, really push each other for the greatness of, of what we do. Um, sort of what Chad and I do with my records, you know. I, I like to have people that I work with or hire that really don't, you know, because a lot of people in my past have, have a difficult problem because of my voice. They think they can't, they're fine to say something to me or whatever, but, you know, I really enjoy people being frank with me in a professional situation. If I admire you and I respect you and you're in the studio with me, I expect, there's a, as, as Pat calls it, the back and forth. I can promise you this. For those people that heard the first Youth Raw record, they're expecting some of Youth Raw one, they're not going to get it. You're going to get two artists that are in the 50s now. That it's, you know, Percy Plant said this. I read an interview. He says, when he was, what, he wrote Stairway to Heaven when he was 22 or something? Yeah. Or 20? He said, for look, it's the biggest song on FM radio in America. But he, it's different now. He 
know, you listen to it. It's like he doesn't really want to listen to it anymore. It's, it's like he's done with it. And I'm sort of in the same situation with me is where all I concern about is what's coming out of me now as a writer. And and thank God that that, that I've been given this this gift to sing. Uh, and it, you know all the stuff I've done to myself with the drugs and the booze. I've never touched wood. I'm touching wood right now. I haven't affected my throat and my uh, sensibility to sing. So I've been very very lucky that it hadn't happened. Yeah. Towards the end of the year, as far as get shopping around and then perhaps in. The... Well, we're gonna, you know we're going to do. Pat and I have, have come up with it because Pat and I are going to do something hopefully in in September which I can talk about later. Um, I want this album to be completely mixed by August 15, before my birthday, so I can be shopping this with Carl uh, September after Labor Day. You know, I just want to... Um, I want to get that... I, I want to get it out early 2007. Yeah. I really do want to do that. I know it's way in a, ahead of, from now, but... You must be thinking about going on the road at some point with that. Yeah, look, Carl is looking. There, there are some splatterings of gigs this summer. When they're confirmed, I'll let you know, Dave. There are gigs coming up where, you know, um, I will be playing some shows. And in the next couple of weeks, you'll be, you'll be getting the confirmation on the shows. I am looking at some European dates, some club gigs and festivals. Also looking at uh, some South African, uh, South American things, which are in August. He's looking at it. And I'm also going to... More than, more than likely go to Australia and work with Jimmy Barnes, um, a, a guy that I, I've just met. Um, who's a great singer, and he's a great... He's, he's the, you know, people sometimes talk of he and I in the same uh, interviews that he's like uh, the Australian kind of yeah. voice of rock Glenn is, you know. So I want to work with other singers and artists that I uh, that I admire with, and I'm going to go to Australia and, and, and write some songs for Jimmy's next record. And and um, so that's just I'm I'm really into working with with artists, um, you know, that can sing and play their instruments. And and Jimmy is a, is a really soulful singer, and and I love writing for other people. Yeah. Now that would be a working visit, right? It's a working visit, but you know, um, Soul Move is doing really well there, and and Music for the Divine will be coming out there in July. Um, so what I'll probably do with Jimmy, I'll go over there in June. And, um, you know, um, I'm primarily going to work and write with him, but I, I'm pretty sure that I might do a little media when I'm there. I might do a TV show or something, or I might do an acoustic thing. I'd like to do that. Now, I'm sure somebody in Australia is listening to this. It's what I desire to do. This is a marketplace that I have not played since Deep Purple, and that's a long time ago. But I have a great feeling that the Australians will dig... I know they're digging soul movement, but I think they're a really musical bunch, the Australian fans. So I think they'll they'll understand what I'm doing. Yeah, there's a few disappointments. You know, you didn't get it over there earlier in the year. <clears throat> yeah, it, you know, Drew Thompson, the, the the guy that does purple, he's a really aficionated with, with Bruce Payne. He's really behind the resurgence of Glenn Hughes in Australia. He's working hands over fist to, to get things sorted out. I mean, I told Carl Swan, my manager, 18 months ago, I want to work Australia. I want to play a major tour of your Russia, which we're booking for October, a major, major, like the same tour Purple are doing, I'll do the same tour. I want to break these, 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 these continents, I want to really go for it, and I want, I want to play some symphonic gigs, and it looks like September, those few gigs I've mentioned to you are going to happen. So much going on, Carl is 
actively booking shows uh, very, very shortly. I know he's working on some summer festivals at the moment and trying to squeeze a... Chad's got about 10 days off with the Peppers and, and maniacally, he, he might be playing a couple of shows with me in Italy uh, in, in July and we're working on that right now. Oh, that would be excellent. Do you think uh, Do you think John might join him as well? Or? No, no. Uh, John, the Peppers have got 10 days off before Japan. And, and, um, ah, okay. It's, when the Peppers finish it, they'll score, I'll probably be there on the 18th of July. We were going to go away, uh, me, Gabby, and Nancy, and Chad, to Italy, and then we figure, well, if we're going to be there for a few days, we might as well play. So, <laughs> um, but yeah. once again, um, we won't know any more than that until we've got some co confirmation. Okay. Oh, and once again, for those fans of Chad Smith, the Peppers at any moment could say that they're busy at that time. Just one more time. If I, I'm going to play, it'd probably be alone, but Chad might be an added bonus. Right, right. Trust me, if, I, if Chad's available, you can't stop him from playing with me. He's a maniac. He's a maniac. <laughs> We've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sw switching gears a, a little again. Um, Misty Mountain Hop. When are we going to hear that? I love, you know, David, thank you for bringing that up. I did go on Blabbermouth, and the alcoholic in me, the, 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 in recovery, we all, I can be in a room with 100 people, 99 of which are telling me they love me, and one of them says he hates me, and I'll be so upset with that one person. <laughs> well, on Blabbermouth, somebody said about Misty Mountain, they all loved it. This one guy says, that guy, he records everybody. <laughs> you know something? I told him about plant 10... 15 years ago, that I would never cover a Led Zeppelin song as it's really sacred ground. Yeah. You know, and I know I had a lot of problems with, with, with David over, over the years about certain things. I think they're friends again now. But look, Led Zeppelin, these guys I've known a long time. There's only, it's like it's very, very sacrilegious, I think, for anybody to cut their material. When the director of Lords of Dogtown, the movie that, that he asked Chad, and John and myself, but actually Chad and me, we got Jerry in, they specifically wanted us to record this song. You know, it was, you know, I said, well, can we, you know, do like a, you know, anybody's, except Zeppelin said, no, gonna fit in the movie perfectly. So I can't imagine myself singing a Robert Plant song. But we did it, and it turned out really well, I thought. You know, it's in a great, so I sent a letter to Jimmy, asking his permission because you can't if, it, if, if it's going to be a film or in a video you have to ask permission I think Robert said he was okay but um, we didn't get clearance enough time for, for from Jimmy so um, I'll never release that song as a bonus track I hope to God I don't I mean I think I think it's inappropriate I think if it's in a movie I think it'll be okay yeah. but you know it'll be easy for me to release that as a bonus track because I probably wouldn't have to have Jimmy's permission to do that, but if it goes in a film, you have to have permission because he obviously needs to hear it, you know, so um, it may never see the light of day. I get people asking me to make them a copy, and I can't do that. Yeah. I have great respect for the members of Led Zeppelin past, and, uh, you know, you know, obviously John Bonham and my friend, all those guys, I have great respect for, that, for those men, and, and um, I would never do anything to, to harm that relationship. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed that someone makes a good decision somewhere. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, I know Drew Thompson wanted to release it uh, on, on Song Mover as a bonus track, and I just wasn't comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a great version. Jimmy Cantrell is a monster guitar player, another, another Jimmy Page fan. Um, 
it's just, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, I, I honestly, truly, if I'm going to do a tribute to an artist, I, I'd rather have it be someone that's, you know, when I, when I was hanging out with Bowie right before Play Me Out, I told him I was going to, I was going to do a Stevie Wonder song. And he said, why? He said, it's so obvious that Glenn Hughes would do a Stevie Wonder song. Why don't you choose like a Nina Simone song? And I went, I totally understood what he was doing. It's like my friend, um, Bruce, um, Doug Fryger from The Knack, you know. I mean, okay. they sound like the Beatles, or the Beatles thing, and it's like very obvious. And I, you know, I personally thought it would be inappropriate. So, um, I think if I'm going to cover anybody else's material, I think it should be somebody that's like you know, Night in White Satin was like a bizarre cover for for me to do. I mean, it's, yeah, it was a good choice. It was a good choice. And you know, uh, who would have thought that um, What a Shade of Pale would have turned out that well? I mean. That original was so amazing. I mean, it's stunning. So um, I think some effort or some thought must go into. If I, I don't, you know, I think covering other people's songs is, you know, I don't know. It's I, I'm, I'm hot and cold about it. You know, sometimes I, I like it, sometimes I don't. I don't see myself doing any more tribute CDs. Good. I've been asked to do three this year, and I've turned them down. I think. That diluted the water a little bit in the last 10 years. I think uh, immediately I thought it was a little bit cheesy, and I thought it was too. Mm. No disrespect to the people I worked with, but I didn't feel comfortable singing Alice Cooper song or right. even, the, even the Pink Floyd one. And even, you know, the, the, the Queen one. I didn't really enjoy that, you know, so I don't, I don't think I'll be doing that again. Since we're kind of... Uh talking about other projects, there are a couple of things that you have contributed to, such as the Moonstone Project, the Italian guys, and then also... Yeah, because he's a sweetheart, and he comes to all my shows in Italy, he's a very nice guy. When I got the demo of those songs, it was very real and very organic, so that was done three years ago. Wow. And it's just coming out. That's cool. It's coming out. Yeah. And uh, now you're doing some writing with uh, Kevin Dubrow, is that correct? Well, Kevin called me, well, I see Kevin all the time, he stays at my house when he's in L.A. Kevin, quite right now, actually, doing my record as we speak. Um, Kevin asked me three months ago uh, if I'd come up to Vegas and, and help him write some melodies for his record, Quiet Rise record, and I thought it was just going to be melodies, and I went up there. Well, what turned out to be melodies was more melodies and lyrics. So I came up with five or six lyrics for him on his record, um, on Quiet Ride, he and Frankie's record. Because Quiet Ride basically is two men now, Frankie and and, uh, and Kevin. And I wrote um, some, you know, the, the meat of the lyrics on five or six songs for Kevin. And um, he asked me, he's been asking me for two or three years if I'd do a duet with him. Um, and I, you know, he came up with a great idea, a Spooky Tooth song, so we're going to do that tomorrow. Uh, it's kind of a groovy track, so, um, and he asked me if I'd play the Green Goblin on the track, so I'll, I'll do that for him. Cool. I look forward to hearing that one. But like I say, I mean, Kevin and Frankie are very dear to me as friends, and, yeah. and um, you know, I will play with my friends from time to time. I think it's really, it's part of who I am, you know. Yeah, I'm going to say, I, 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 was at, I was at the Hard Rock in Vegas uh, nine months ago last summer when they did that, um, they did a metal tour, I think it was Rat was on there and, and Cinderella. And Frankie Benali was mind-blowing. He was so... He was the bastard child of John Bonham. He played <laughs> so well. 
Very, but I, I must say that Frankie Benali is one of the sweetest, nurturing, loving people um, I've ever met, and, and Kevin Dubrow is 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 like my like my son. I keep an eye on him. He's a great guy, and he's been very misquoted, and is is a is a genuine, and he's a, uh, I think he would he take a bullet for me. <laughs> Do you, uh, do you think Frankie will be involved in his role, or? Um, I think that if, I think if there's going to be a drummer, it'll be Chad. And I see Hugh Thrall, but everybody, this is something I need to tell everybody. Hugh Thrall, when I say Hugh Thrall, it will be Hugh Thrall. There'll be nobody else on the album but Pat and myself playing all instruments, even drums. Um, we're going to play every instrument. If a drummer is needed for on a few tracks, it will be Chad. Okay, thanks for clearing that up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so another person, especially in the States, a lot of fans here are really hoping we might see you two on stage after so many years, is Tony Iommi. Yeah, I mean, Tony and I, uh, uh, we've been talking about doing some shows. It hasn't come to fruition. I don't think it's going to happen this year, David, and everybody listening. I think people would like to see it. It would have been great to play some shows in America. Um, more importantly, I'm moving forward with my career. Tony is doing what he's doing. I think he's working with Ronnie on some a box set. I think he's going to be in LA when I'm actually going to be in the UK next week. So, um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Tony and I will get to the table when we get to the table. I don't think it'll be for maybe two more years. I, I don't think until we make another record, if that ever happens. Like I say, as David Coverdell says, my dance card is full, darling. <laughs> so, I, I'm so fully booked up now till Christmas. It's like, um, Okay, well, that, that segues nicely into my next question. Yeah. And you touched on it a little bit earlier. What does the tour schedule look like for the rest of the year? My, well, you know, the first one, you rock the boat, April 29. Uh, uh, then the splatterings of geeks, not confirmed yet. Of course, Boss Pop is July 8. That's happening. Yeah. Uh, the July situation, there could be a handful of shows. Uh, Carl's booking that as we speak. Um, June... I should be in Australia with Jimmy Barnes writing for his record. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, August, unconfirmed but being penciled in is is um, South America, Brazil, Argentina, and a few other countries. Something I really do. I love playing South Americans. I love the Latinos audience. They're fantastic. Um, September 30th is confirmed. I'm going to headline a rock festival in Madrid. And it's my first headlining festival, like a proper festival, uh, which and it, it, it happened. It's going to happen in Spain, and I love the Spanish audience. And if anybody in Spain is listening to the interview, I want to say what happened to me on, in Madrid that you probably don't know. What now can be spoke about is I had my very first anxiety attack. I had not a clue what was wrong with me. I thought I was having a heart attack, but I've been diagnosed as having someone that has. I've had, I've had two more since then. Uh, it, it, now I know what it is. Yeah. I'm actually okay with the feelings that happen when you have an anxiety attack. I did not know. The first time you have an anxiety attack, you know, it's very, very, very stressful. So what happened that night, um, I had an anxiety attack mid-show. So I am so glad to announce that I'm coming back to Madrid to play to my fans and I hope to do a meet and greet to all those fans prior to the show or after the show or the next day or the day before to um, to say hi and, and, and greet them because I think no disrespect to anybody around the world 
But I think the Spanish audience over the last two years has been the most crazy fanatical Glenn Hughes audience of all time. Wow. They have been, it's, they've taken it to a whole new level, and it, it's just amazing, you know. And I wish, you know, that could happen in America. And this, you know, America to me is, is, a, is the last great market I want to play. But right now, Spain is, is truly crazy. Well, you know it'll happen pretty much everywhere you go. It's just a question of getting the promoters interested. <laughs> uh, you know, all those years ago in the late 60s, early 70s, when trapeze, when I was very, very young, um, the name I got for myself, consequently leading into, into Deep Purple, asking me to join, was I've always, I've always gone on in the press by saying this. Um, it's been word of mouth, even today. It's been word of mouth from fans across the world that have, have brought fans the next time and family members. And <clears throat> my whole career has been built on word of mouth. It's been absolutely built on word of mouth. And, and it's only been right last year where the press in Europe have been really behind me. You know, Classic Rock and, and other magazines and, and even Q are getting involved now and, and other, other magazines. I think it's important that, you know, um, even at this stage of the game, I think it's great that people are now taking Glenn Hughes seriously. Yeah, I keep seeing your picture in Classic Rock nearly every month now, it's great. Chad and I did a, a massive article for them about three weeks ago, and um, things are going really well. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade places with anybody right now. I think, you know, I'm sitting in a, in a place where I just am so grateful to be alive. I, it really sounds cliche, but it really is true. So what else have you been up to? Well, I've been spending, I would have to say, from last spring up until now, all of my life, pre- and post-production on Music for the Divine. So much so that when Soul Mover was released, and, and people asked me, how come you haven't released an album like this before? I said, well, I take more time, I write the song, I, I mean, it's a different... Music for the Divine has given me a new level of songwriting. And it's it's all it's all it's the sonically the sound everything I've been very very much involved in the the production of this record. Um, it's never too late to get it right. Um, I just wish I'd have done this ten years ago. If I'd have had more hindsight in, into realizing that that you know my music is so important to me as a human being. If nobody even heard the music. It, 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 it's enabled me to grow, and it's enabled me to, to, to blossom and nurture and to be the best husband and friend I can be and, and son. Um, so I, all I've been doing, David, is, 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 you know, the camaraderie between Chad and myself is, is quite uncanny. Uh, we are literally joined at the hip, and I have not had that relationship with anybody since Tommy Boland. So I'm the, that's a great gift to me, and I'm the godfather to his beautiful son, Cole, which is another gift. As Gabby and I don't have any kids, we have lots of dogs and cats. But, <laughs> but you know, that's all we've been doing. Um, so what about fun time? You been to any gigs? I, you know, this is going to sound really bizarre. I saw Jeff Beck for the first time in my life play. Jeff's an old friend of mine. In 1971, he put the feelers out for me to, to play with him in some concept. Uh, but I was in trapeze, and trapeze was starting to really happen. So, uh, but I, I met Jeff in Deep Purple when we played Hammersmith Odeon, and he was really great, and I'm a big, big, big Jeff Beck 
94, David, were you at the gig at uh, the Robin when you did the trapeze gig? Uh, no, I wasn't. I did a gig with Trapeze in Union 94, too. We did an American tour in 94. And we did two gigs in England, in, 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 in Wolverhampton. Um, prior to that, I got a call from one of the, the, the big guys at Sony Record Company, and they said that Jeff Beck was about to start writing, or in pre-production, of his first vocal album in years. This is 94. And they would be sending Jeff's manager up, Ralph, my good friend Ralph Baker, to see uh, what Glenn Muse is all about. And Ralph came up to see me, and he said, wow, he said, you know, this would be great. He said, you'd be great with Jeff. And, and uh, uh, my friend over at Sony uh, um, thought he, well, Jeff and I would be a great combination. And I'd got this vocal gig to sing on the next Jeff Beck album. Well, of course, it's now 2006. I'm still waiting for a call from Jeff to sing the album. He hasn't really done that. So... Um, so when I went to see him, I know him personally, but I'd never seen him play live. And I remember Gary Moore telling me that Jeff Beck was the only guitar player that Gary Moore had cried when he sees. Well, uh, by the mid, the start of the third song, till the end of his love, was Jeff Beck had me in tears, and I, I didn't. I let it actually flow, and I didn't hide it because no musician or singer, with the exception maybe of Stevie Wonder in 1974 when I was in the studio watching him sing. No other musician has ever brought me to my knees. <laughs> I was crying like a blabbering little boy. Yeah. I was sitting at the table with, with Chad and Taylor Hawkins from Foo Fighters and a great singer-songwriter named John Meyer, guitar player. Oh, yeah. And we were all sitting there, and I, I was looking. We were looking at each other going, do you, do you believe this? Jeff Beck, and I wrote to Ralph to tell Jeff the next day, I wrote an email saying, what planet are you from, Jeffrey? And send me some travel brochures because I gotta visit that place. <laughs> Just think, if anybody needs validation from, from GH, that for me, and people have come to me at shows and they, 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 they tell me how I've changed their life or moved them, and I genuinely am humbled by that. And Jeff is, the, is, is very humbled by you know, the respect given to him back from, from other artists. And I told him that this was the greatest single guitar experience. No disrespect to all those great guitar players I've played with, and I've played with a lot of them. Jeff Beck is on another planet. He spoke to me through his guitar so divinely, so uniquely, it cut me to the core, it made me feel, see, smell, act differently. Wow. It's moments like that that God has chosen for me, anybody in this world. There are defining moments in people when a baby is born, you know, when you get married, you know, uh, when you have a relationship in your life, you know, all the beautiful things that God has given us. Seeing another artist with that unique quality to bring me to my knees, really, and to be in greatness like that shows me there are, that, that, that I just need that. I need, and I need my fans to know that I am a student of the voice, a student of the guitar and bass and keyboards, and I will be studying this craft forever. I am not the finished article. When anybody comes on and you read an interview that they've found it and they've got it and then it's bullshit because they're going to be fly by 
Tony Bennett, and uh, people that I admire, great jazz, you know, Herbie Hancock, my old friend Herbie Hancock, people I admire that they continually show me greatness in their nurturing is what it's all about. Jeffrey Beck is 10 years older than me, possibly, and it just, once again, one more time resonates with me that age does not mean anything. David Leroth told me 10 years ago at dinner, he said, Glenn, if you could just lose another two inches from your waist, you'll be able to hit those high notes. I said, well, Dave, what about Pavarotti? Yeah. I was only 32-inch waist at the time. <laughs> what the hell was he talking about? So what I'm saying is, is that it's where you are in your life, how comfortable are you? I mean, are you, you know, paying attention to your spirituality? I'm not religion, people. I just think that Jeff Beck, an artist like Jeff Beck, and great artists like Stevie Wonder, and another great singer, Patti LaBelle, and Jeff Buckley, the late Jeff Buckley, these are the people that tore me up. And I need to go out once in a while and see greatness because it gives me so much inspiration as a singer to, to, to follow in this greatness, you know, because it's not all about me. It's about life, and it's about how I can learn, how I can be a better person. And seeing other artists, I mean, I love seeing great soccer players. I love being in the company of great lawyers, although I hate them, <laughs> you know. I am a great dentist. I'm frightened to death of them, but I want to be around the best I can be. You know, and that's what it's, that's what's called life. If I, you know, look, look, people, I think Jeff's have gone out again in the fall. You gotta go see Jeff Beck and tell him Glenn sent you. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time again today. And you're welcome. And one more time to, to to the fans and friends out there, I love you to bits and pieces. There's not a day goes by that I don't you know think about you, you know the message that I give to you. You give back to me. I mean, you know, it's it's important to know that. I write music for myself, hoping that it transposes to those people that care about themselves and care about life. You know, um, it's important for them to they mean to me. And I love y'all. Now keep coming back. Now you hear? <laughs> well, that's a great way to end. We'll talk to you later, Glenn. You got it, Dave. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much to Glenn for taking the time to fill us in on all the latest going-ons. He promises to check in with us on the podcast as often as he can, so we'll definitely take him up on that offer. We hope you enjoyed podcast number one. We're not sure of the regular schedule just quite yet, but we can tell you we'll have number two ready for you in mid-May. So please join us, won't you? Don't forget about the hotline number, 404-419-6568. It would be cool to include your messages and certainly a lot of fun for us to hear other people's voices other than our own in the podcast. So until the next one, be sure and spread the word and the link to this brand new Glenn Hughes podcast. We'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>